Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Everything Imaginable. I am your host, Gary Cacciolillo. And before we get started, I want to thank all my listeners for listening and also thank the contributors to my show, who are executive producers, Candace Sanderson, author of The Reluctant Messenger, and Ms. Aida, psychic and author of Voodoo Justice Magic, Binaural Production Engineer, Damien Keller, author of Sounds Good, Sounds Great, Monthly co-host, Jared Murphy, author of It's Not Aliens, It's Worse, It's Us. And monthly co-host, Kat Baldwin, author of The Forgiveness Workshop. If you are interested in becoming a contributor to the show, go to my website, everythingimaginable2020.com, and you'll find everything you need there. And now, without further ado, our guest for today is Dolly Safran. And we will be later joined by Preston Dennett. Thank you for coming on, Dolly. Hi, thank you very much for having me. So, uh, I'm really excited to talk to you, because when Preston first started telling me about you, I was really intrigued about your experience, what you, um, and, and I really wanted to hear it, hear it coming from you. Um, All right. So, I'm pretty excited to, to hear what happened. Um, so, to, give my listeners a little background in you know, um, what was going on and what happened, and um, let's just start from the beginning. Um, I am I am a uh, conscious contactee. I became conscious, uh, fully conscious at the age of 14. Uh, it was my uh, concerted effort at that moment in my life to uh, be able to keep remembering everything that was happening to me. Um, everything started happening to me very young. I'm a generational contactee. My father was a contactee and probably before, before, before also throughout their lives. Um, uh, my first memory of being a contactee, I was about 10 months old and uh, I was in my crib and I was looking at the window sheds, their level or, and I saw a huge bright light in the middle of the day coming through that window and I was fascinated with it. And, um, I started levitating out of my bed. And uh, when I got to the top of the rail, I freaked out and I flipped over and I was trying to go back down. And that's the last thing I remember. That was so traumatic for me. It never left me. I always remember that. Wow. Um, by the time I was two years old, um, everybody in the house knew that I was kinetic. Um, I could levitate. I would uh, scare my mom a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We lived in Florida, and we have these closets where the bottom closet, and then there's shelves on the top with little doors. And it was too high for me to get up on my own, and uh, I would somehow levitate up in it and shut the door on myself. The first time I did it, she couldn't find me for an hour, and when she did, she came unglued. Um, she called my father home, and uh, she thought somebody was in the house with us. She thought somebody put me up there. Uh, they ended up changing all the locks. <laughs> Um, I started disappearing right about that time also. Um, my, uh, the, the one that got to them was, I was probably about, uh, two and a half. My mother was pregnant with my brother and she was in the house. She had locked everything up and she was taking a nap, thought I was, and I disappeared. She got up to check on me and I was gone. Again, my father was called. They called the police, took them, I don't know, an hour or more to locate me. And uh, the, they drove her to a place called the Utah it's a little um, convenience store. And I was sitting there, nothing but underwear, no shoes, nothing. And 
they couldn't figure out what the hell happened. I had my feet weren't torn up or anything. I was somehow dropped off. They couldn't get me to tell them what had happened because I was not even, you know, just two years old. Um, I remember being told that I would get a red balloon, though, and I was kind of PO'd about that because I didn't get one. <laughs> um, my life is a series of uh, memories that are encapsulated where uh-huh. I would wake up in the middle of the night and somebody would be in the room with me and then I, you know, lose my memory. Uh, sometimes during the day I would see things. When I was five, I was laying in the front yard of my house and uh, looking up at the sky and I saw a huge umbrella coming down that was slowly revolving and I could hear music and um, I think they were covering me. I had just gone to see Mary Poppins with my family and I think they used that memory to not scare the hell out of me. And uh, I have a memory of being taken at that point, being taken up into a craft. Um, there was a woman there, and uh, she sat me in her lap. I realized that she wasn't human. She didn't look fully human. She kind of resembled, but not quite. And uh, she told me to call her mama, mm-hmm. and that um, she would be taking care of me sometimes, and she would be helping me, and she would be like a mama to me, and that I was somehow related to her. Um, I flashed at that moment and went I woke up again in my house with my mother looking at me like, how the hell did you get in the house? You know, uh, we had a huge ranch and it was hard. You know, when I went outside, I'd have to go a certain way to come back in the back because that was the only safe place for me to come in without having to go out, you know, go through things. Um, I tried to tell her, but, you know, I don't think she was having anything to do with it. I think I frightened my mother a lot. Um uh, uh, one time my aunt had uncle had come over and I have three cousins and they were all in the house with us and my aunt was yelling at my cousin Sharon and uh, uh, I got really really upset about it and one of the doors in my room flew open you know to my closet and all my mother's hat boxes that were in the top hit her flew out and slammed into her and that's when all hell broke loose and uh, we ended up with German Shepherds at that point, and they had one on me specifically. She was a ex-police dog trying to keep tabs on me. And uh, what's funny about that is ET used to take her with me. <laughs> I disappear with the dog. <laughs> they didn't care. Um, as time went on, I had more uh, sightings, you know, but they never resulted in cohesive memories for me. You know, I knew something was going on. I knew something was happening. Uh, I just couldn't put it all together. When I was 14 years old, um, I took astronomy lessons at the Miami-Dade Transit Planetarium. So did my brother. And um, I was out in the yard one night. Uh, It's getting late. My dad said, come inside. I was out with my telescope doing my homework. And I packed up, brought it in, and got dressed for bed. And I looked outside my window, which I often did. I'm not a real good sleeper. I only sleep an hour a day, maybe two. And uh, I saw about a hundred lights in the sky. And I was like, whoa, what is this? And I kept staring at them and uh, they paired off and some went east, west, north, and south. Uh, two pairs of them came down over my area. Some went west, two went west, and then the other two came down over over us. One went toward a place called Dadeland in, off of Kendall Road. And the other one came down over my house where we lived. 
And um, I, at that moment, I realized that it's now or never. I'm either going to remember this or I'm not. And I, so I started like using as hard concentration as I could use to memorize what I was seeing, see it as it was. I saw it changing colors as they came down, you know, through the atmosphere and all that. Um, I saw the trees um, moving, whipping around as it came down over our trees, like wind, high wind, but there was no wind, no sound. I, uh, I did hear a high pitched, uh, high pitched frequency, you know, like in the back of my ear, but that's it. It wasn't that loud. I just heard it. Um, I started looking at the, at the vehicle and I realized that no, this is not an airplane. I don't know what the hell it was, but I started memorizing it. And I got up to where the ports are at the top and I saw the windows and I was like, oh, there's somebody in there. And I saw two beings and I'd never seen any or could remember anybody like them. And I was unnerved because they're different. Um, I became frightened at that moment. Truly, truly, truly frightened. And um, I turned and I was going to dive under my bed because I realized they were looking at me, directly at me. And uh, before I could make the full turn and go down, I froze. My whole room flashed into blue-white, caught light, and boom, I was out. I don't remember anything until I woke up on my floor in somebody else's clothes, backwards, inside out, the whole thing, disoriented and thinking, oh, my God, you know. Uh, I could hear my mother in the kitchen. Army people get up really early in the morning. And so I just went and had a shower, you know, got my clothes on because I didn't want those on anymore and uh, went into the kitchen where she was. And I'm already trying to recall at this point. I'm trying to make myself remember. I was uh, doing deep breathing. I was trying to meditate. Um, I was trying everything I could to stay calm. And uh, my mom had the radio on in the kitchen while she was cooking. And I think it was Paul Harvey that was on. And uh, I asked her a few questions. You know, I said, hey, mom, did you guys see anything last night? You know, lights, sounds, whatever. And she whirled on me and went, uh-uh, no, no, no. Mm-mm. That meant shut up, okay? She did not want to talk about it. Um, just about the time that she did that, the news came on. And we heard a, the newscaster state that two police officers at Dadeland Mall and Kendall saw a UFO and they described it. And oh my God, it, the hackles went up on the back of my neck. I was like, Oh, and I wanted to talk about it so bad. I was almost jumping up and down. Okay. Cause that was for me. That's like, it made it tangible yeah. to me. Okay. I was hooking onto it at that point. And, uh, she whirled on me again and she stuck her finger in my face and she said, no, you're dreaming. No. And, uh, I got, depressed about it what she said to me and i started to walk out and i ran into my father who heard the conversation and uh somehow knew what was going on and uh i went in the bathroom back in the bathroom shut the lights off shut the door sat on the floor and just cried and tried to remember everything i mean i literally for the rest of that day worked really really hard to bring my memory up and see if i couldn't recall it um my father did talk to me um right about the time that it started like congealing for me. And uh, he told me about his life, that he was a contactee and that he knew what was happening to me. And he asked me to tell him what happened. And I did. And he, he said, I can, I can help you with this, but I, you know, he couldn't that day had to go. 
And uh, so I spent the rest of that day, you know, really, really working hard to get it. Um, by the end of the day, I had it. It was a huge shock for me because my reality was instantly changed. What was going on with me was not what I thought was, you know what I mean? And my whole life was different. And uh, I freaked. And my dad came home that night and he took me to see a friend of his who tried to hypnotize me at that point. And uh, no going, I don't hypnotize at all. I'm either too much in control or um, I'm not sure. You know, they just know they cannot hypnotize me. Uh, but uh, they got me talking and I started going through it with them and understanding the whole thing. Um it was at that moment that I realized that um, I had uh, way more experience than I thought I had, that I was heavily involved with what was going on, and that my life was not what I thought it was, and that um, it was either accept time or become totally delusional and try to make it go away and run. And I'm not a person who's easily frightened of, of anything, okay? I mean, yeah, I know how to self-protect, but I'm not afraid. Um, I'll fight back sometimes even. Um, so I just lived with it for about a week thinking about it. At some point, I'm sorry, I've got hair in my glasses. It's driving me crazy. So, um, went to bed one night and I was meditating and, uh, I started to get the feeling that somebody was with me, you know? Um, and I heard a voice in my head and it said, I'm coming to get you. Be ready. Be ready. And, uh, I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> Uh, all I could do was just think about what that meant and steal myself for being able to stay calm when it happened. Okay. Cause I knew, I knew somehow innately that I needed to remain calm or I dropped dead from it. I mean, it, it's amazing when you go through something that's totally out of outside the box of your reality, you know? So they showed up one night and uh, it was a couple of grays pulled me out. They brought me up to a smaller craft. It, I call them two-seaters now. They're small. Mm -hmm. And they took me to a bigger craft. And we got on board. And uh, there was uh, two tall grays. And the female that I remember seeing when I was five years old was there. And um, they walked me in. They showed me this, the craft. Went from place to place, level to level. Uh, there were four different levels in this craft. Um, and it was massively huge. I mean, it was big, you know. Uh, they took me up to what I call the helm, you know, like, I, I don't, it's the helm. Mm -hmm. And, uh, was surprised that, uh, it wasn't what I expected. You know, I thought it would be like an airplane. It's not. Um, and, they communicate telepathically. So I'm listening to them all talk. I'm trying to get used to hearing because they don't speak like we do. They don't use words in their heads. They think in concepts. And um, I got, I was shocked because they introduced me to the craft itself. And I learned in that instant that uh, the craft are alive. They're indwelt. It's AI systems, but they're indwelt by an entity that's non-corporeal. It's a dimensional entity. And uh, it actually joins with the craft and runs the thing and uh, he introduced himself to me I could not pronounce his name and I mentally started calling him Talata 
that's my nickname for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he told me that he was, uh, who I was going to be working with. I knew, didn't quite understand that. And, uh, they said, I want you to sit in the seat. And they walked me through, uh, if I wanted to try to fly this craft. Uh, they ran me through, uh, the way that I would be doing at the time, that time, because, um, I would have eventually have to learn how to, operate this craft telepathically. Okay. And, um, so they had controls for me to use first and, uh, they gave me a tutorial. Um, we went up in this and above the earth and out past its Corona of (laughs) traffic. Uh (laughs) There's a lot of traffic around this planet. Okay. And, um, just sort of sat there looking at everything, me learning what was going on, uh, them giving me an overview and they were showing me how some of their systems work. Um, they dropped screens. They showed me the outside craft. It can totally become transparent and you can see all the way around 360 in this craft top to bottom, except for what's inside the craft. Um, it's a disorienting as hell <laughs> when they do that first, the scares LA. Um, they told me that uh, we were going to go do a tour of our system and that I wasn't going to go all the way out, but they were going to let me go to Saturn. They wanted me to see Saturn first. Um, so I began my excursion at time and I was very slow and uh, I did exactly what they said. All I could think to do was listen to every word they said and try very hard not to F up because it dawned on me, you know, I'm a military brat as well, and um, I understand about following directions, okay? was raised that way. Um, we went out, and we went to Saturn, and uh, the first thing they showed me how to view a, a planet from a certain distances, you know, above and below. You know, we did uh, exercises in understanding the topography of this particular planet because it's so involved. It has huge rings. Uh, there's wide open spaces between them. Some of them are all dust. Some of them have big, huge, you know, boulders in them. I guess you call them boulders. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's the most amazing thing you ever saw. I saw the actual colors. Uh, our, our ability to see things in space sucks. <laughs> bad, <laughs> really bad. And I saw what it actually looks like. It's incredible. And, uh, we went up through the rings a couple of times. He showed me how to go up and actually go up, up above and below through the rings in certain spots where we could navigate it. I saw the moons. There's quite a few moons. And I learned that uh, Saturn tilts and the rings tilt. It's not um, gyrosynchronous. It's hard for me to say that word. It's not gyrosynchronous. In other words, it's gyro tilts. Okay. Mm-hmm. The way it revolves and um that was really interesting to me and uh they said okay we're not done and they again moved outside this planet's influence and sat in uh space and we talked about where i was going next and uh it was the moon our moon and they took me all around the moon we did uh eight turns of the moon you know different directions looking at everything um and then we landed we soft landed on the moon uh, sat there for about a half an hour and they all kind of looked at me like, well, 
what do you think? And, uh, they were putting, uh, the question to me, I guess, uh, they wanted to know if I was really serious about wanting to fly, which at that moment or during those moments that I was in this situation, I realized that I'd already asked for this, that when I was younger, this is something that I wanted to do. I love flying. I've always loved flying. I, I'm, uh, disoriented for it somehow I'm maybe I don't know um my father was a uh you could fly um we call gliders and stuff like that right. he was an airborne ranger and they all have to do glider training glider pilot training and so I've been in gliders I've been in small planes I've flown everything you could possibly think of okay that a private person could fly um I have two uncles who fly and um so I've been flying my whole life and um and I decided in that moment, I was only 14 and a half by then. And, uh, I, I said to myself, this is it. I guess this is what I'm going to do. I want to do this. And it began a really long journey for me because there was a lot that I had to learn how to do a lot. Um, I realized also in my first contact that I'd been being trained by them since I was a small child for many, many things. I've learned mathematics from them, philosophy, morality, uh, languages, everything. I mean, they've just been teaching me since I was a small kid. Um, I was still leaving and coming back, but I found out that they could facilitate me coming back within minutes of leaving. In other words, I could be gone for two weeks and then come back shortly after I'd gone, you know, in, in time scheme. I was learning about, uh, the physics of that. Um, one of the things is speed uh, and distance equal time. You know, in other words, um, when you first start moving out and your speed is increasing, uh, where you just left is maybe a little bit ahead of you in time. Okay. But then it changes places. And the faster you go, they're, they're dropping back. You're, you're going faster forward in time from them. And uh, they were using that, uh, Time equals distance to bring me back to where I needed to be. Okay. So that I wasn't losing my life here and disappearing for long periods of time and people freaking out. Um, I had a big question when I was in my twenties. Does that mean I'm older <laughs> than my chronological age? And I was like, yeah, a little bit. Um, it's just been a long, fantastic, unbelievable journey. Um, I've been training my whole life for a mission that they are going to complete soon. And um, I decided about, I don't know, six years ago that um, I was tired of living this very divergent life. In other words, I had this life and I had this this reality and this reality. And uh, one of them is all truth and everything is known. And this one is nobody knows what the hell is going on. Okay. And... Um, it really bothers me that humanity is walking around clueless about what's going on above them and around them. And uh, my father was very adamant about what is happening now. Uh, I grew up with it knowing, full well knowing what's going on. He was somewhat involved in some of the parts of it. And I decided, I told my contact at 
I wanted to open my mouth and start talking. I can't believe nobody's, I mean, I know that they're trying to reach out to humanity. Okay. They've been showing themselves to people. They've been, uh, working with people for a long time. I mean, the history, their history with us is intensely, uh, involved. Okay. For eons. They've known we are their, their, we are, they are our progenitors. Okay. We're their children. We are a mix of a lot of different of, the, you know, ethnicities of them. Mm-hmm. And we have been. And this particular solar system that we're in right now has gone through a lot of physical changes that are cataclysmic often. And they've had to directly intervene with us from time to time and pull us off and then bring us back. We're, it's a big deal. And what we have going on politically around us and the power, the world powers that be know what's going on and they've kept you all clueless and I'm opening my mouth talking. It's time. You all know. Um, it's, uh, I don't like to be, uh, negative in any way. Um, so what I've, uh, my, my main mission is to speak about What's going on with humanity? Okay. What's going on with you all where ET is concerned? How do we relate to this? How do we relate to them? And basically it is, uh, in a nutshell, we're them. They're us. We have abilities. You're not using them. You want to talk to them. You want disclosure. You need to learn how to use your abilities. And the first thing you need to do is unpollute your body. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we're polluted. <laughs> we are damaged. In ways you can't even imagine, chemicals, everything, bad water, bad air, all of it, radiation. The last 80 years, our polar, our poles are excursioning and we have wide open gamma radiation in us. We're getting diseases and things are happening to our physical bodies because of it. Um, largely ET, one of the reasons there are so many contacts going on with ET is that they're trying to bring us through that to get us to the other side so that we can get out of here. Okay. Um, the world government or the governments of the world, whichever way you want to look at that, know this. They know what's going on. And they have been using everybody to save themselves, the 1%. Uh, they've gone underground. They have literally gone underground. They're ready. Uh, they're supplying it now to survive. I mean, there's a huge seed depository up in you know, uh, near Norway, there's all kinds of things all over this planet that are geared for surviving what's about to happen. And, uh, I can only, I can only speak gently to the fact that, uh, we're expendable and they plan on it because they don't want us fighting them to go down into their, their holds while this starts happening. One of the first things that's going to happen is we're going to have a CME big enough to transport this planet back to the Stone Age. It's going to burn up every electronic and wire on the planet. It'll burn your house straight to the ground. A C- X-class CME with a wide open magnetosphere will burn it all up. Um, we have proof of that back in the 1800s, okay, where every telegraph wire on this planet, as they were starting to build telegraphs, the Carrington event, mm-hmm. uh, burned down all of them. And they know why it was a CME. It wasn't even an X class CME that did that one. We are in, uh, solar, um, maximum now. 
and we you've got to own you only got a short while i mean short while before this cme hits ask yourself what's going to happen when that does happen where are you going to be what are you going to be doing well i guarantee you the world governments and the people on the one percent know where they're going to be they don't the only way you're going to go with ets is if you can communicate with them if you can use your own innate abilities, every single human being is related to them on this planet, every single one of us. And you have a pineal gland in your head, you're psychically innate, psychic, but you've been taught to fear, you've been given things to eat and drink that mess with that connection. You have huge wired up systems around you that are constantly bombarding your brain with all the wrong stuff to cut you off from it. And you need to learn how to use it. They want you to. This is the message. They've been showing themselves and people are awakening to show you how to do this. And it's not going to be easy. You've got to learn to do it. It's a, it's work to attain this ability. Um, there are programs out there. Russell Targ um, has a program on uh, it's a it's on the uh, Internet and you can bring it up. It's an app and it's a psychic uh, trainer. And you can learn to use your psychic abilities with it. Um, I believe that that's a good place to start, but I think that we all need to join together. You know, you teach people how to work in groups so that you can test yourself out and learn to use your abilities. Because once you do that, once you open that window in your head to see and hear outside of yourself, you'll start to hear truth. Um, I firmly believe that if we all stood up able to do that, the governments of this world would instantly instantly know the jig is up and it'll force disclosure first of all they'll come down before they plan to if that happens you know and my advice to everybody here is get with it let's do it because it'll be better for them to come and rescue sooner than later okay um they will not interfere with us completely because we are autonomous beings Every being in the universe is autonomous and we make our own choices. This is our home, our planet, and we have the ability to guide ourselves. And that's also a big part of their message. Mm. So it's a lot, isn't it? <laughs> it's interesting. You know, so, so much stuff I've heard from, from other contactees, like you mentioned the, the, the female extraterrestrial, um, I've heard that from several uh, contactees where they met this uh, female extraterrestrial, which was described to them as like a mother figure or whatever. And a lot of them also remember sort of being in a, um, in like a playroom with other humans, of mm -hmm. other human children that were taken at the same time. And they were um, basically observing testing them for, for psychic abilities. Yes. Um, uh, depending on how um, open you are in the beginning of your training with them uh, depends largely on which way they, you know, position you to learn. And, you know, whether they jump you into all the uh, foundational knowledge that you need to have to work with them versus you actually catching up psychically so that you can learn how to use your psychic ability and they'll help you detox yourself and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, they have, uh, 
bring us all up as children to begin with because we learn better. And you know that one of the things that they want to hope is that um, we all teach our children young that they're psychic and to use their abilities not to tell them they're wrong and that they're dreaming and, you know, and not to expose them to fear and uh, ridicule and any of that, just to let them develop the way they were meant to. Okay. Uh, because if it starts in your childhood, it's well usable by the time you become an adult. Starting as an adult is a little bit more difficult. It can be done. You can learn these abilities, but it just takes a little bit longer. It's like learning a new language, literally. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you've been speaking this language your whole life, and now you're going to learn this. Right. And it takes a little bit of work at it, you know? But it can be done even as an adult. You know, like one of the things, um, uh, you know, I was talking to Preston one, one night, you know, I told him I never saw a UFO or anything, and he gave me like this little exercise to do outside, and I did it, uh-huh. and I saw a UFO. So, so, so there's this definitely con- you know connection between consciousness and the extraterrestrial. The other thing that I have also heard several times that you mentioned is, and, that, and I don't know where it fits in, is them uh, allowing the um, contactees to try to operate their craft. Is there a purpose for that? Like, why do they want us to operate their craft? It's going to, when they do decide to make uh, the rescue that they're going to make, people aren't going to run and flock to an ET, a Greg, you know, like an AI Greg, the small little guys opening the door and saying, come on, let's go for a ride. You're going to have a whole handful of humans or a larger group than that look at them and go, I don't think so. Uh, But if I land, and open the door and say, it's time, we got to go, and I'm sending you mental messages and tapping you mentally, you will see that I'm telling you the truth, and you'll be more apt to say, all right, we're ready, let's go. If you're woke and you're ready for it and know about it, you'll really want to go because you know what's happening. Um, They're not really planning on coming down until after the big CME that F's everybody up. Um, Do you realize how many satellites are surrounding this planet right now? you have a clue? No, but I was just watching. I was just watching the news yesterday about that the, there's a lot of space junk, and one of the things the United States is going to start doing is cleaning up some of the um, unused satellites and stuff. So there must be a lot of stuff uh, out there. It's more than that. They have a giant neural net of satellites. Elon Musk alone has sent thousands of them up already. Okay, three hundred at a time. Um, all those satellites that you see in little trains going around mm-hmm. surround our entire planet, and they're all over it. They're in a special orbit. It's a neural net, so that they can watch in everything that's going on down here. They're in contact with one another. Every country that's got one up there is in contact. They're all part of it. Um, when that big badass, excuse my French, I'm sorry, uh, CME hits, uh, every one of those satellites is going to drop because they'll they'll instantly be killed. It'll deaden all of them. They'll burn up in space, and a lot of them will come down as fiery balls of oh my god. Okay, so you're going to have to deal with that when that first happens. It's not only going to be that your house is burning down, but now there's crap coming down over your head. Okay, um, once that happens and they've cleared the air, uh, they'll all land on every street runway anywhere they can come down and it will be a massive landing at one time um i will tell you that there might be a little space of time because the cme 
and our our excursion make it difficult for them to travel around here. They're mostly bugged out right now. Uh, they can't handle uh, the, the magnetic field lines that we have. They're erratic and it's too dangerous for them to fly them. Okay. If you understand about magnetic magnetism, they can't surf our magnetic field lines because they're too erratic. And some of them, they just part and they messed up. They disappear and they'll crash. Um, it's one of the reasons crashing started way back in the 40s because it was starting then. Okay. That's when our excursion began before we could even see it by our own instruments. It was already occurring. Um, it is bad now. I mean, it's really bad. And so they've mostly largely bugged out. Um, yes, the governments of the world have reverse engineered anything that's fallen down that they can get their hands on. Um, sadly, for people who delude themselves, they can't duplicate it completely. They can, they, they have an idea of how it works and they're approximating things and they do have craft that will fly, you know, any graph, but they don't have the same ability to fly systems that they do. They're way too advanced for that. They'll never figure it out. Not in this lifetime. Um, so they can only mock them or make you think they're them. And that's going on right now. What you see up in the skies largely is old government hardware. Mm-hmm. You know, you see TR-3Bs up there, the triangular craft. There's some that look like triangles. There's some that look like um, six or eight pointed stars. You know, they have, they're lumpy, you know, all around. Uh, they can do some, and then they have technology that's a holographic, 7D holograph that uh, makes you think you're actually looking at something in front of you and it's not there. Um, they have the ability to hear what you're thinking. You know, what do you think five, 5G is all about? They've got a neural net up there that's listening to everything you say and do and think they can hear you. ET hears you as well. ET does it naturally. They don't need uh, mechanisms to facilitate their ability to hear you but on the ground here they do um have you ever noticed lately that um you'll be thinking about something and uh, suddenly you're getting commercials on youtube and your phone and you know weird places for just that thing you were thinking about or have a conversation with somebody about something and suddenly poof it shows up on your phone yeah that's what that is and Mm. if they can do that that easily think about what else they can do that's reverse engineered technology that they have come up with. They have AI on the ground here. It's not, um, their AI is totally different because it's not meant to be autonomous. It is, um, a frame that allows higher developed beings to come into it and operate it from that standpoint. In other words, they, your consciousness. Do you ever talk about esoteric things? Oh, yeah. Do you understand that you have a soul? Okay. Everybody has a soul, even ET. Everybody. Everything. Animals. Everything has a soul. Um, we all exist in source together in, in, in one place. We're all together. All of it. All of us. Um, we're in a physical body. We project out into this physical body for a reason. The universe wants us to learn... Uh, how to embody knowledge. It's easy to know everything in source, but it's not, it's not a complete learning system there. In other words, you can't 
you can't employ your knowledge there. Okay. You can in a physical realm like we're in. Everybody asks all the time, why am I here? Why am I here? It's so that you learn how to use and wear and understand everything there is to learn and use and understand. And then you, when you leave, you take that knowledge with you. Your, your, your essence, your soul grows up. It's a learning process. You become even more and more and more and more autonomous, more individual. You, you're yourself. Um, so there's craft and their AI, little AI guys that help them are indwelt by entities, dimensional entities that have already gone through that process and they're more highly evolved than we are. Way more. Um, I don't think the people here who think they know everything, you know, on the ground uh, totally understand it. I know they know the reality of it, but they're not, they're not in a place yet where they can emulate it or use it to their, you know, good because they're not trying to do good they're not doing good at all i mean anything that can think it can use you and throw you out like dirt water is not okay you know it's very low realm stuff you know um they want everybody to ascend out of this place they want us all to uh, hear the truth and use it and embody it and move on you know because there really is no death at all and they know that yeah 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 i've, I've, I've you, know? you know i've had those out-of-body experiences myself they're fantastic. One of the things that just crossed my mind, though, is if there is this threat to the Earth that's going to cause everything to burn up, could we just move the Earth into another dimension temporarily so it's unaffected and then drop it back in? No, because what created this mainframe that we live in, uh, E.T. thinks of it as, as, they call it the all-mind what we would refer to as God. Mm -hmm. And we all live in that mainframe together. We are all part of it. And um, it works a certain way, and you can't alter that. You can alter, only alter reality in that as you understand something and that you're trying to use it, utilize it or whatever, that reality you can play with until you understand it. And then that reality or that that creation that you're working on will uh, suffice and, and end and you move on to the next one. Nothing is permanent, but our universe is the constant. It is eternal. It is infinite. A lot of physicists, you know, want to inflate uh, eternity. You know, they want infinity plus one, you know, plus or minus one. You know, they want to inflate or inflate. And uh, it's not. It's a loop. And they keep coming up with weird ideas that are not real doesn't exist in reality anyway whatsoever i'll give you a couple um i've been telling preston for years that black holes are just garbage eaters they are deep gravity wells that take in energy or planets or whatever crunch it all up like a compactor and then spit it out okay they literally type in a weird kind of way micronova out all this energy it reuses it our universe recycles itself. There are black holes everywhere. They are not wormholes. There is no such thing as a wormhole. That is a wild idea, okay? We also, space is a lot more uh, busy and has more things in it than you realize or can see. Your, our vision and our brain is only capable of visualizing and seeing and understanding what's really out there in space. Space is not empty. It's full of stuff, totally full. I'll give you, for instance, for that. 
Uh, you know why they sent those telescopes out to start seeing, you know, the infrared signatures of what they're looking right. for as the Big Bang. Mm -hmm. They want to see if space is going to go cold like they thought. They're about to be bitterly shown that that's not how it is. Our, our universe recreates itself all the time. There's death and life renewal all over our universe all the time. It does not go cold. That engine keeps going. Uh, what is in between our galaxies is a ton of dust and plasma, electromagnetic energy that's connecting everything like little filaments everywhere. They're finally starting to see the closest one to us, which is the Andromeda galaxy. It's already where our plasma and energy is already touching. We're tapping one another now. It'll eventually will plow into us. It's heading, it's heading toward us. We're sort of heading not as quickly toward it, but it's incoming. Uh, take 38 million years and there's going to be a collision of, um, of, you know, unbelievable proportions. This is how the universe operates. You can't, that's, that's not up to us to decide to do. What is up to us to decide to do is to understand how that works, to realize that this is not our last stop. We can't save our physical selves because it's part of that engine. It recycles. It moves on and on and on. Who you really are is still alive, though, in here and able to travel and go anywhere it wants to. You can evacuate yourself. You won't take your physical body with you, but you'll take the energy that is your body with you and move on. Um, that's a very um, important concept to start understanding because it, it teaches you a couple of things. It teaches you not to fear the life and death cycles of anything, okay, that you are eternal, that you go on forever, okay? The second thing it teaches you is that you have huge opportunities to uh, jump into greater foundational knowledge than you would have because you're too busy trying to protect yourself from what you're afraid of. Uh, it teaches you not to be fearful once you embrace these ideas and understand them. And that's what ET is hoping for. They're there. We're their children. They want us to catch up. It's time. And we need to make sure that we all cooperate with one another, love one another, and freaking figure it out before we all, you know, have no choice one way or the other. And we're coming to it. Earth's cycle is 12,000 years. There's going to be a micronova after this cycle, at the end of this cycle, and the whole planet's going <laughs> to flop and go through a, a NOAA event, okay? And we'll go into an ice age for a while, and we'll all be gone. And you can either go on physically with them, or you're going to physically leave here and go into the realms and go somewhere else and hang out for a while until you decide where it is you want to end up. This is how it is. This is total reality. What you see and feel around you is not. You're in, you're in, it's what the matrix is. You're in a matrix right now. This isn't real. Okay. Right. It is real only that you're here to learn in it and then you move on. Wow. Certainly feels real. Preston. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> for coming on, Preston. Yeah. How are you? Good. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with what you're saying, Dolly. I mean, obviously, uh, but. Man, when we're here on Earth and we bump our head, oh, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. But the people, yeah, I, I mean, there's a, death is such an awful word. It's just not true. It's a lie. It, it no is. No one dies. It is. Because I've had my own, you know, you know, I've told you my story about the seizure and going outside of time and space and all that. And, you know, it was life changing. 
So, so, so then there's really nothing to fear. Like, like why, why did it, if her souls are going in and out of bodies anyway, why is there the need for extraterrestrials to save any type of physical human beings to begin with? Because your journey is one that you chose to be on. And you have the right, the autonomy, to live out your existence as you chose to do it. This is what I mean by they believe in autonomy, that we are all autonomous beings, and that our karma, our lessons, the only way we can learn them is to live through them, okay? And if it means leaving here to go somewhere else to finish them out, that's what you do. If you're ascending, if you're gaining knowledge and energy and going up, okay, they want to give you the opportunity to do that. They're not the monsters that people try to make them out to be. They're loving. They're benevolent. They are, are, they're the best kind of parent you could possibly have because they absolutely empathically understand that not only were they there at some point in their past, but that as our, us being their children, they want us to have these opportunities. That's what they do. And, they don't want us to miss out on that. Life is sweet. It can be. You know that. Mm-hmm. Um, what does feel bad sometimes also can feel good. And we deserve and we are supposed to experience it. All of us. And the people that are causing the problems are the ones that act like idiots and try to ruin it for everybody. And that's not okay. And the reason they're getting away with it right now is because we're the, largely everybody's clueless as to what their rights really are with autonomy and freedom, okay? They don't, they don't quite know that they can stand up and say, hey, I'm going to love you no matter how stupid you are, but you're being stupid right now and you need to stop, okay? And if everybody did it, it would go way better than it is now, you know, hmm. way better. Um, so, so what is the autonomy, like what is even the purpose of us being autonomous to begin with? So that we may exceed how we started. We are an idea. We are a a brought into existence entity who is going to either give up the chance to exceed ourselves and move on and uh, become a creative, positive uh, part of this huge machine that we're in or or not. That's what autonomy is. We all choose how we want to go. Um, you can line up 20, 10 soldiers, okay, and program them and tell them, okay, you're going to live this way. Are they autonomous? No, because they have program that tells them who they are and what they are. But we've been giving something better than that. We are allowed to explore and develop and make our own minds up, our own spiritual selves, what really is and isn't. In other words, um, the all mind wants us to talk to it. Like ET wants us to talk to them. The all mind wants us to talk to it. I mean, I don't know about you, but it'd be kind of cool to have a conversation with this mind and find out how I fit in, where I'm going. What can I do with it? Am I going to be released? Am I looking for the ultimate freedom that I can go create? You know, am I able to go on to the next existence? I mean, these are all really cool ideas. Um, you want to watch TV. That's great. Oh, hey. Okay, there's a nice show on TV. Did you make that show? Did you create it? No. Wouldn't it be more fun to be the creator of it? Wouldn't it be more fun 
for you as an autonomous being to explore how you can learn to create it. That's wow. why this this is so important. All entities are autonomous, always growing, always evolving. But Dolly, you have a little bit of an advantage over a lot of people because I don't know. I know I missed the first part of the show, but I don't know if you got into how you were taken to other planets and taught at the hands of ETs throughout your childhood and given all this information. I mean, this is something that you've been deeply immersed in from a species that's very advanced, not only technologically, but morally, ethically, spiritually. I mean, this is stuff you have been taught, right? Yes. On, on the learning yeah. planet with, with other contactees. Um, I just want people yes. to know, like, you know, Dolly is the subject of my next book. And I have interviewed a lot of people, and I have never heard anyone talk as uh, lucidly, you know, with full conscious, with, not through the lens of fear about their experiences, which have been fully awake for most of her life. I mean, this is everything Dolly is saying is coming from a place of tr actual experience with ETs and living among them. Uh, so I just want to reiterate that, that this is knowledge that's coming directly from the ETs. Right. Exactly. So, so Preston, do you have any uh, questions for Dolly? Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I know her story pretty well, but I'm hoping <laughs> that she talks about, you know, some of her experiences. Because I, what I find most fascinating is, you know, some of the experiences she's had uh, on these motherships where she's seen amazing things and learned, you know, science with the ETs. Uh, been on board when people are being taken on board and healed. Uh, one experience I would love if you talked about was, I think you mentioned this uh, doctor who was taken on board who was like over 100 years old. And the ETs just loved her and wanted to celebrate all the hard work she's done. That would be interesting to hear in more detail. Those, yeah, those kinds of experiences. Um, they, they love to honor people, um, especially those who are in service to others. It is very important. It's important for all of us. Um, I was taught that, um, you can't, you can't isolate yourself from humanity, that everywhere you live, everything you do, you must strike out and help. And there are people on this planet that ET follows and watches them because it is a mighty thing for them to see that they're, they're doing the thing, the thing that they most hoped that they would understand how to do and becoming a doctor is one of the most honored things that ETs have because they're healers as well and every now and then you'll have uh, someone come on board who when they do uh, they stop everything they're doing and actually uh, will give this person that the um, I guess the only word I can use is love that they deserve for their hard work and service that they've provided for the world and for everybody else. And they will show them the universe. They will take them on a trip. They will give them the keys to the kingdom. Literally, they will make them physically uh, energize them. They will uh, speak to them. They will allow them to let, let things off their chest or their heart, you know, to them. 
about their experiences. They're totally 100% interested in uh, how these people have managed to evolve ahead of all the trauma that they have to go through to evolve. Um, it's one thing to have it easy. It's another one to go through all the hardships of life and everything and come out on the other side and still done the work that you wanted to do. And it, van- it advances you. And they try to gift them. They try to show them. They open them up. They uh, will help them raise up so that they don't have to come back here and do it again. It's almost like this is your last trip, man. You get you get the keys to the kingdom. That's what I mean. Okay. And uh, it is fantastic to watch that happen because it is it is the happiest you'll ever see this human being. And it makes you happy to be happy, to watch them be happy. It's very weird. It's like they all share together in this emotion because everybody's reading everybody. And it's um, they experience it with them. It's communion. <laughs> Literally communion with these individuals. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it it's a gift for them and for ET. That's how they feel about it. It's a two-way gift. Fascinating. Um, this man that Preston is talking about was in his 90s. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, he had worked very hard and uh, he had given much of himself. You know, some doctors have nowadays have offices and they have people who collect their bills and they have to deal with the government paperwork and everything. This particular physician would take chickens or he would take, you know, anything, uh, quilts, handmade goods, food, whatever the person had to give to pay for their medical. And sometimes people didn't even have that and he would still take care of them no matter what. He would find a way. He was very good at resourcing. And um, when he came on board and they realized he was there, it was like, I'm not kidding you, that day everything stopped. Nobody did anything else for the rest of that day except be there for him. And and anything he wanted, he got. He was literally, literally uh, shown everything they could possibly show him. He was He was gifted every good gift they could possibly give him for what he had done. They showed him the most honor that they could possibly show him. And uh, that man left that craft at the end of that experience, knowing full well, well what had just happened to him. That was the last gift that they wouldn't uh, allow him to uh, choose not to remember. He remembered. And I keep hoping every now and then that somebody would come up and say, I did this and E.T. did that. And I would love to hear those stories, you know, that he is one of them. Is one of those people that that happened to, and uh, I'll start crying. So you got to be careful because I'm almost there. Uh, <laughs> he he was an awesome guy. I've seen children come on board who who are so advanced, emotionally advanced, spiritually advanced, even at a very young age, that they somehow know this about them. It's their psychic connections to them, and they will even honor the small children. Um, they also do something else that I've never talked to Preston about. And I guess now maybe be the time. Um, people say, why don't they help everybody? It's not our position to decide what you've decided to do in this lifetime. It's not their position either. It's nobody's. And sometimes people leave this earth young, sometimes in under dire circumstances. We all live and work out through what we want to experience and then we go. And every now and then they'll get a child who is going to leave and they will um, 
be in essence an OBE with this child, even on this planet, and they will welcome them with open arms. They will walk them across the bridge. And I've, I've seen this happen a couple of times and uh, this will make me cry. So I'm trying to be careful about it. Um, I've seen animals this way. Also, they welcome animals. Um, Humanity does not know the depth of their emotional impact if only they, if only we would let them work with us. If we would only just get over our fear of them and uh, see what's really going on. And the way to do that really is just to keep working at your own ability, you know, meditate. Drop the world off around you. Don't let anybody come at you with negative influences. Clean up. Do the best you can. And it'll happen for you. You'll you'll learn to make the connection to them. And yes, yeah, CE5, go out in your backyard every night. Stick your brain into meditate mode. Stick your mind remote up and say, hey, I'm here. Can we have, can we have a meeting? <laughs> come see me. I want to see you. And they'll show up for you. There's a lot of them. If they can't physically come, they will come OBE. They can do that. They can remote view you from where they're at, um, which used to blow me away when I was a kid. There's no time, no distance between us. We can see each other at any distance, time, or space. It's very, very cool. Actually, so <laughs> I took a class on that with this guy right here, remote viewing. Yes, very much so. <laughs> and it is incredible. It's, it's amazing you know, like me and Preston have talked a lot about, like, so, you know, some of the abilities that we have as human beings that, that, um, not even necessarily they've been turned off, but we've just been told that, that they were our imagination rather than real. Right. It's like mental abuse. Um, I'm not kidding you. You know, post traumatic stress disorder that kind of affects us in the psychic department. Um, if you're if you're told that you're crazy and you're dumb and you're stupid and what are you seeing and no way, la, 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 you'll not use it. You'll drop it. You'll say, oh, no, I can't be seen this way. And uh, they'll push you into a corner and make you sit down and shut up. It, it's not good. Um, we need that freedom. We need that autonomy. We need to express ourselves. We need to show be able to show what joy is in us. And uh, too many times now, we've got all kinds of bad vibes coming at us, bad news, bad words, bad news, bad everything. I mean, it's just, it needs to stop, you know, mm -hmm. stop letting it into you, you know. People talk about warding off evil spirits. How about warding off negative, untruthful stuff around you as well? It's not the ghost you need to be afraid of. Now it's everything that's in this world right now coming at you full force in your ears, in your face and everywhere. You know, we need to pay more attention to that than we do the scary stuff that they're, you're told to be afraid of. You know, that's not the real scary. The real scary is what's happening to us, that we can't use our own abilities and we can't process through what we need to in reality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love the stuff. Um, you know, a lot of people I've interviewed who are contactees have experienced a wide variety of paranormal abilities. I hate that word. They're not paranormal. It's totally natural. Mm-hmm. But people have described to me, you know, telekinesis events, uh, out of body, mind reading, levitation. And, you know, I started asking Dolly these questions. It's like, oh, yeah. Um, t t tell, talk about the time you were at the library and you saw a book on the table. Oh. Like, That's cool. Because, you know, people have described telekinetic events, but they're relatively rare. 
and you're like, yeah, that happened to me. You know, you have a couple of events with that, but that one in the library was cool. <laughs> yeah. My, my dad was an architect and, uh, he did jobs for, um, government, uh, Florida government as well as the federal government. And, uh, he was, uh, doing a job for the, uh, Florida State University and, um, he would take me with him, uh, to go to different jobs and stuff. It was part of my education, I guess. And, uh, he went to the library one day and we were in there and he was doing research work looking for something. And he said, here, go over there, look at, see what you can find. I said, okay. So I started looking for books and stuff and I found a stack that I wanted, but the tables are huge. And I was a kid. I wasn't big enough to like just reach over and grab it. And I was struggling across the table and I was holding my arm out and the daggone book that was on the table that I wanted just slid into my hand and uh i was shocked <laughs> and i i shoved it back <laughs> and i did it again i went i want the book i want the book i want the book and it, whoop, it hit me in the hand again and i was like shocked i grabbed the book i ran into a corner i was shaking i was like oh and um i realized that i could really do this and then i started trying to do it everywhere i went um I thought maybe the energy in the library is facilitating me. No, nope, proved that I could do it at home after that. Um, I could make other small objects come to me if I really wanted them to. And uh, that was amazing to me. I mean, this was a big book. It was a big reference book. It was a medical book. It's about this thick and about this big, okay? I'm just eight years old. And it just, like nothing, like butter, straight into my hand. And uh, I can't. You know what it's like to be someplace that you can't yell and scream and go, oh, my God. <laughs> it was incredible. That was the coolest day of my life when I realized that, oh, my God, I could do this. Yep. That and levitating. When I made it up into the top of the closet the first time, I was laughing my butt off because I did it. You know, um, I saved myself once doing it. Um, I was painting. We had a old house and I was painting the stairwell with dingy dark whatever i painted it white and i had the cans you know i hammered them shut and they were at the top of the stairs i cleaned up all the tarps and everything and i was just going to walk them down to the basement to put them away and i had them in my hand each hand one can and i took off this top step straight out into midair and i thought well i'm dead and uh the stairs went straight down like this and then there was a landing and then it turned this way and I made it all the way down past the landing to the bottom step and landed on my feet with the cans in my hands, soft landed. And I screamed because I realized that I broke my own fall. I somehow broke myself with levitation. I was pulling back, levitating against that actual fall. And uh, that shook me up. <laughs> that was like, wow. <laughs> um, other things. I mean, it's just weird how you can process this. Um I also began to realize that I, I have to work harder at sustaining those abilities. Um, when I'm around ET, I do better at it. In other words, I'm more, when you're constantly using your psychic abilities all the time, the energy level goes way, way, way up and you can do almost anything. But when you're away from it, I've noticed that it wanes and goes down. And that's when I realized that I was being bombarded here by so many negative bad things that um it was sapping the life out of me and uh, that's one of the reasons i'm very adamant about everybody you know just stop get off the slave train turn the tv off quit listening to all the bs just 
drink really good healthy water talk to your water your body's 80 you know more than 86 87 point something percent fluid um the energy that you create in your your body that water absorbs it behaves if you drink water that's really bad negative it'll affect who you are um don't drink bad water <laughs> not at all uh water that's been sitting in plastic bottles is bad for you um pour it into a glass pitcher and let it sit you know for 24 hours in the fridge and talk to it tell it nice things you know tell it to be positive remote view into that water and tell it raise its vibrational level so when you do put it in your body it it helps your energy level stay where it ought to be um the food you eat how you sleep where you sleep all of it we all just got to clean up all of us yeah there's been scientific experiments done with this by the way in water and impressing it with positive energy plants grow better uh Gosh, what was the guy's name? Emoto. He wrote yeah, a whole book. Yeah, I just book started up. reading his book last night. <laughs> oh, really? Yes. There you go. I love that book. It really woke me up because I'm like, wow, there is absolutely something to this. So, it's very, very interesting to hear Dolly when she started talking about that. I'm like, yep. Oh, I've heard this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. Very cool. Yeah, I was also yeah. watching a special on uh, well, not special, a, a show on uh on Gaia, and this woman would focus her energy on water and change the uh, structure of the water, the pH in it, and she was also doing it with DNA. And the DNA responded to her consciousness really fast. Yeah, we we are your DNA. Who you you are attracted? Oh, this is an interesting subject. It's convoluted and complicated, but here goes. Your physical body has your DNA signature in it. That's your resonant energy level, and DNA matches your uh, astral body exactly, okay? Your energy, everything about it is in your DNA. Um, you're attracted to it. That's how you get here. That's how you uh, come to it. Uh, you're responsible for your DNA. <laughs> you're responsible for how your engine fires. Any energy you put into it is going to do a certain thing. Um, when you get sick, don't you ever think about, I need to get well, I need to get well, I need to do something. You try to, mm -hmm. in other words, you emergency start making yourself feel better because the alternative is what? Not to go the right way. Um, if you're thinking about that when you're sick and it's an emergency, why can't you think about that every day? Your DNA is, um, highly, highly, uh, influenced by all kinds of things. Uh, something as simple as gamma radiation, we know that it, it, it derazzes your DNA, can make it unravel and uh, mess with you. Too much radiation can give you uh, autoimmune disorders. You know, it can make your body very, very, very sick. Um, they've proven that over and over and over again. Um, but you have the ability, your energy level, to repair it, to make it better. You have, you know, you know the old saying, physician heal thyself? We are all our own physicians, all of us. And the only people really in the end who can make decisions about your body and how you're feeling and how your energy levels are is you. People with cancer are taught to see the cancer cells and destroy them with their own minds. That's been going on for years and years and years. I don't know why they don't talk more about doing holistic uh, energy camps where people who are not well or whatever it's go and take a vacation and do the, the spirit work, you know, the energy work to heal themselves and make themselves better. We don't talk about that every day. It's not even in our common everyday language. 
It's because there's not? no money in it. <laughs> you can't make yeah. profits. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> terrible. It's despicable. I know. It's terrible. <laughs> Shame on them. Pharmaceutical industry. Very much so. Very <laughs> much so. Yeah, they've given us pills. That's not good. It's really not good. You know? Ugh. Yeah, healing is such a big part of the whole UFO contact. Uh, uh, Dolly has talked, you know, in this book that we're putting out, um, there's case after case after case of people have been taken on board for the purpose of healing. Mm hmm. I remember you talked about one case involving a lady who was in a house fire who was burned badly and taken on board, and they healed her. Yes. And she's one of, if I remember correctly, one of very few people who was, for whatever reason, decided that she's not going to come back to Earth. Right. Um, um, she was changed forever. She didn't think, she didn't think that she, it, 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 it's weird. This is one of the things that's hard for even me. Um, I really have a divergent life. I live with them and I live here. And, um, there are days when I really don't want to be here anymore because it's just hard. Okay. And this woman who had led a very hard life to begin with and then suffered burns, horrible burns, bad and was healed, uh, and guided by them. The energy was too overwhelming for her to want to go back home. In other words, she made a very clear and present decision. No, I'm going with you. And that's where she went. She decided. And nobody was going to argue with her. They gave her what she wanted. Um, she didn't feel like she could keep going here. And a lot of people will decide that. I mean, if you're if you're trying to raise your, your abilities and your mind and your what you know, learn, understand in your heart of hearts, uh, you're not going to choose to stay in a, you know, an infested place with all this other crap when you could go somewhere else. And that's what she decided. She was genuinely grateful. And in her heart, all she wanted to do was help them help us. And that's basically, I think, what she's doing now is she's uh, facilitating um, what we got facing, you know, teaching other people, small children, uh, uh, what they need to know. She became a teacher. Which is admirable in my eyes and honorable. Um, it takes a great deal of ability to even do that, you know? Um, very, very, very loving decision she made. And I'm glad they decided. There are a lot of people here who are going on already, who are being relieved of duty here, so to speak, because they're ready to make that transition and they're just going, you know? Mm. Ready. No. <laughs> yeah. I would go. Yeah, I would. The other thing is, too, is I, I've talked to and experienced, you know, people that have had extraterrestrial encounters have the ability to heal other people. They've been yes. giving that ability. Yes. Um, it's, it's part of your psychic ability. It's like psychic 101. Uh, all the energy that you have once you start manipulating it and utilizing it and feeling it's, it's, uh, Forces all around you, you can learn to lay hands on somebody and actually feel their energy and help work it to to a, a situation. And the more you know about science and the more you know about the human body, the better you will be at facilitating a healing. Um, uh, as a nurse, um, I know more anatomy than most people, and I, I, I'm good at triage. And uh, so when I see something's wrong with you, and I know how it's supposed to be and how it works, and 
how your body should be operating in that way, and I can see how it's not, I will, I can lay hands on you and help facilitate that healing a little bit, you know, uh, I can make you feel better. I'm not an expert healer, but I'm good at bringing mm-hmm. you to giving you some peace and some pain free and actually getting a, a lot of relief. Sometimes pain is, uh, uh, not exactly what's going on and the pain is only at the surface and what's underlying it is the cause and and so going for the cause you know you have to really be able to root that out but yes there are people who can actually see that feel it and make it better i know i've I've experienced it with um reverend michael carter the first time i interviewed him and um and and i started talking to him like right away he's like man there's something wrong with you you're just not right (laughs) you're not feeling well and I explained to him what was going on. And, and literally, like, mm-hmm. after, like, an hour of just talking to him and just sort of exchanging energy, I was fine. It was incredible. Uh, I love him. He's the nicest guy. I interviewed him. Yeah, I have him on all um, the time. Yeah. He's great. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's amazing. <laughs> and one of the benefits of being a UFO researcher is I get to talk to people like Dolly. Like, one lady I interview, I'll call her Wendy. She had this ability. She's like, you want to... Try it. I'm yeah. Are you kidding? And she ran energy through my feet. And I could feel it. And another lady I interviewed, she's like, yeah, I was going to become an actor and it wasn't working out. I decided she had this huge experience. She said, I decided to become an energy healer. Would you like to try it? I'm like, sure. She's like, come on over to my office. And I went there and she's running energy through me. And I started seeing colors, pastel colors coming out of her hands. I'm going, Huh. Look, and I'm, I'm like, you know, I think I'm seeing green light coming in, p- green, blue, and pink. And she's like, oh, yeah, you're seeing it, huh? So not everyone can see it. I'm like, I see it. And Dolly did the healing on me, relieved some pain from me. I'm like, wow, thank you. She didn't tell me she was doing it, but suddenly I started feeling better. I'm like, did you do something? <laughs> and and I've done it myself. <laughs> I, I've actually done it to other people. Anyone can do this. We have this ability, and just like like you had suggested to me you know, about you know sort of like doing like like the CE five type of method to see a UFO, and it worked. Yeah, <laughs> this is not supernatural. This is natural. It this is. is part of the fun. We need to start having fun and growing, growing, and learning all this stuff. Um, it's really cool. Dolly's had you know when she lives among the ETs, it's all telepathy, telepathy, telepathy comes down to earth and she's like totally connecting to everyone it's, it's really interesting and we're doing the interviews and i'm like and i breathe in to ask a question and she answers it <laughs> um, and this sort of thing and, uh so that's this is something we should be doing naturally because it is natural it is yeah yeah do, do you think that that these abilities will ever be taught in like regular schools oh i wish I, I hope so, yes. Um, it should be part of our everyday existence. Everybody should be teaching everybody. I mean, it, it, we should have meetings and powwows about it. I mean, um, one of the ways that you learn psychically is that you're downloaded the lesson. The, almost the lesson in its entirety is given to you. And what you do from there is you employ it after that. In other words, you see the lesson... You understand the mechanics of it. It's just been handed to you, but then you have to prove it to yourself that it's real, that it works, that it's true. And then that's where the work starts. And you 
either do the math or you do the reading or you do the discovering, you know, the science. And then once you run your own experiments with it, once you do your own proving with it, then you employ the knowledge. You use the knowledge you just gained to do something with it. And once you have that, you own it for the rest of your existence. You can't go away. You t- it goes everywhere with you. That is, that's what it means to learn a lesson. You use it, you prove it, you employ it, and then you own it. And all knowledge owned is pure wisdom. That's what wisdom is. Okay, whether it's uh, hardcore mechanical wisdom or esoteric, it's there's the range, the whole field range, everything we should do. Et had a favorite saying, and it's funny because my dad used it on me a lot. He would say, uh, learn all that is learnable and then proceed. And uh, it, you can't fail when you do that. Everything, learn all that is learnable and then proceed. Too many people in the world today are, this is one of the things that's hard for ET. They don't want to spoon feed us information. They want us to learn it and use it ourselves. Yeah. Because we can't understand the value of that wisdom, that knowledge, without doing the work ourselves and embodying it. Okay? Um so, yeah, <laughs> yes, it should be taught at schools. Kids should be allowed to sit and have a teacher give you a lesson and then let you go and work it out, you know, whether it's run outside and do experiments in the dirt or paint a painting to prove to yourself that you can do certain things with light and color and blah, 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 or do an energy work where you can build something that's uh, going to run on its own or Cook something that's going to taste good. I mean, there's a billion different ways to use knowledge. And if you could learn that in school that way and then go out into life, uh, A, you're not going to have time to F up, you know, do weird things and find negative. You're going to be positively engaged all day long doing something that's really kind of cool. Taught in ET schools. This is what I hear from contactees is young children. Over and over again, people have told me, take an board and do a class in telekinesis. That's quite common among contactees. I don't know if you've ever described that, Dolly, but I suspect that probably yeah. happened. <laughs> did did, you, ha- did yeah. you have a telekinesis class ever? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's yeah. Not, I'm going to have to put that in the book somewhere. Darn it. I, every time we talk, you know, she's had a lifetime of experiences, and it's frustrating. I'm like, mm, this is, how am I going to, this book has been a real challenge because she's, kept quiet most of her life <laughs> and getting her to yeah, open up in the beginning was not easy yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I, every time i talked to her i'm like oh gosh you didn't tell me this and here i am here it's yeah. happening again i think one of the things that, that me and you have talked about quite often is the importance of telepathy and, and how that poses sort of a problem to the powers to be because all of a sudden we all know whether they're telling the truth or not yeah. My favorite thing to do is I just start, I'm, uh, uh, this happens to me not frequently. It's infrequent, but when it does, it, it puts me off. Um, people automatically assume that I am an evil force or demonic or something like that because of what I'm able to do. And I usually step away from the, <laughs> step away from them mm-hmm. because they don't know what they're saying. And, um, I'm not going to judge them, but I can't, throw my influence out in front of them they'll trample it you know it's not going to help me or them 
Uh, but then there are other people who are interested in, I don't want to scare them because you're literally trained to think this is abnormal, weird stuff. Okay. So I start small. I go little. Um, we also, I was taught, fervently taught, that I don't have a right to go inside your head without your permission. Uh, Preston will tell you that I always ask first. Um, it is impolite and obtrusive and intrusive and everything in between uh, to seek what people are thinking beyond what they're... Well, I think she cut out. Sorry about that. I'm <laughs> it rang. Um, now, Dara so, thinks Dolly has not, not told me. She's like, mm, you know what? I'm really not allowed to even go there. <laughs> it's interesting, oh, yeah. like, about... Like, because, like, I think, like, sometimes, at least for me, when I've had experiences with telepathy, they've been completely accidental. It's like, like you know, like, like all of a sudden I'll say something that a person is thinking, and it's like, oops, I didn't really mean to, to read your mind. You know why? <laughs> There's a reason why that's happening to you. Um, telepathy is you being able to see and hear things without interference. That's why it's important to meditate, because you go down into your uh, mind's eye and then you drop everything around you in other words anything you're internalizing or thinking about or running off while thinking about you just let it all go you go to a blank chalk slate nothing and then you'll hear all the energy going on around you you'll see it you'll feel it um it becomes a swimming pool that you're sliding through in the moments that you're having accidental telepathy it's not so accidental you've just been so relaxed that it came in on you you should pay attention to that. How, how, what was I doing then? How relaxed was I? How, you know, why was I so um, able to hear that? That's your first clue. That's your first lesson right there. That you are telepathic, that you have the ability and go seek that out again. Seek that situation out again, that moment. What did you do to facilitate that? There you go. Hmm. Interesting. So how about you, Preston? Do you ever have any experiences with telepathy? Yes. Yes, quite a bit, actually, really after I started doing out-of-body stuff. And I'd come back, I'd be zinging with energy, and I'd have a dream which comes true, I'd go off to work, and people would start talking. And uh, the people who were, you know, really nice, you know, good people, spiritually advanced, I could understand them fine. They were talking what they were thinking. And you, you would, you could predict it on occasion, but sometimes people would be talking one thing and thinking another. And their speech would almost come out garbled to me. And I'm thinking, what the heck did you just say? Like, what? I couldn't understand. And I'm like, I thought you said something else. <laughs> uh, Cause that's not what I heard. Uh, I do remember one time I, my boss walked up to my desk and put his hands on my desk. And I'm like, oh my God, he's going to tell me he saw a UFO. And I instantly knew what he was going to say down to the exact word. I just saw a UFO. It was big and yellow as his disc was starting on. And he did. He said it. And I'm like, whoa. And the only thing was I thought he was telling the truth. And it turned out he was just kidding. He was joking. He was being funny. <laughs> but I absolutely knew what he was going to say. It was so cool. I love it when it, this sort of thing happens. It's just, I don't know, there's something really special about it. Hmm. And, yeah. and Dal, you mentioned one of the things, like, like we're sort of like children to these ETs, like we're their children. Um, does that mean that the, um, 
the uh, the engineerness? Uh, no, I wouldn't call it engineering. I would call it uh, breeding. Um, when you spend a lot of time doing what they do, and over the centuries and eons that they've been at it, uh, being exposed to space and different dimensional travel can derail your DNA, and it can cause uh, damage to them physically. And so as they gallivant around, they have the ability to stay inter intermixed with us as a race. And uh, it supports us and it supports them because they're not the only ones who are being influenced by gamma radiation. We are also, especially at this point in juncture in our existence. The higher the gamma radiation levels coming in, the more affected you are physically. Um, I mean, people sit and wonder, why all of a sudden is there so much cancer? Why all of a sudden is there so much mental disorders? Why all of a sudden is there so much this, that, or the other? It's because our DNA is effing up from the gamma coming in on us. Uh, so we bolster them and they bolster us. It's a way to survive. And uh, it's important uh, in the survival of our, I don't want to say of our, of all humanity. They are human as well as we are. They have DNA like we do. They just dial up a little bit differently than we do. They're a little bit different looking than we are, but we're all basically humanoid DNA. All animals have DNA. We're related to them. All DNA means is that it's the um, construct of living organisms to physically manifest so that uh, their their astral body can be on board so that they can move around through the physical world. That's all you are. It's right now your body you have right now. This is your 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 craft. You're going through your existence in this body that you're in, and your DNA is important to that. And um, so they're bolstering us, we're bolstering them, and uh, it's all part of it. it you know, f- basic facts is that if humans don't, like, okay, you're not going to marry your first cousin or your brother, right? Because that causes genetic problems, correct? Mm-hmm. What if we ran out of enough humans to, like, stay populated? Same thing. We need gen- genetic diversity to exist. That's part of how nature works, and that's all, all that they're supplanting for us they are our progenitors they are our parents 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 all the way down the road um they're protectors it's right. interesting because i've talked to a lot of contactees and they're like you know i met my spouse under the most amazing circumstances <laughs> i feel like the et set us up almost yeah think- that happens <laughs> yeah we get pushed toward one another yeah yeah they're very protective and trying to help people and upgrade our genetics is kind of the conclusion I've come to. Uh, very interested in longevity, trying to you know, improve our health. And I, I think we can see this in the fact that our right. longevity has increased over the past couple of hundred years remarkably. Right. And the point that I want to make in this juncture is that it's not in a test tube, it's natural. Okay? They believe in natural process of uh, genetics. In other words, they're not taking this little piece of DNA and engineering it to that piece of DNA. They're not unraveling or, or, or adding to us. It's all from the same template of life. And it is the natural process that they go for, not the unnatural one. Hmm. Makes me happy to know that we are not alone and that there are these guys watching over us. 
because I feel like they're the ones who we can depend on. <laughs> they're the ones we can trust, you know, and it reduces the fear for me of living on this planet with so much ignorance and, you know, some not good stuff going on. I'm like, we're going to be fine. <laughs> Ultimately, you know, whatever happens, we're going to be just fine. I believe that too. We can't, we can probably trust extraterrestrials more than we can our own authorities. Had a lot of contactees tell me that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we have evidence. I mean, humankind has evidence of their involvement with us all the way back to the very beginning of everything. I mean, there are constant examples throughout history or human history, period, where ETs have been here. There's no evidence of them taking over and putting lash to the back. Okay, none. Or taking us over or doing anything horrible to us. But the evidence is all all that they've just been here and they're more benevolent than than we realize, you know? Yeah. Well, what would you tell people, Dolly? Because this is what I deal with all the times. People are saying, oh, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for this. I think it's scary. I think they're kidnapping me against my will. This is a violation. They have no right to abduct me. And the answer is not true. <laughs> they, um, You do know what's going on. You have given your permission. They will not work with you without it, period, the end. If you don't remember, it's because you've decided that you want to be outside the loop of your uh, experience with it until you're ready. Um, and everybody makes that decision. Um, we go to the doctor here. Half the kids on this planet hate the doctor. Half the adults on this planet won't go to the doctor because they're terrified of the doctor. They're afraid of everything that goes on. Our medical systems have not uh, shown us that they're <laughs> happy places to be. They stick terrible needles in us. They put pills in us. They do all kinds of things. Uh, E.T. has never, ever, ever, you've never come back. Nobody has. I defy you to tell me that you've come back with a permanently broken arm or a, a digestive problem that's exacerbated by ET or, you know, they didn't cure you. They made you worse. Nobody talks about that. All they talk about with contact is I feel better. I look better. Everything is working right again for my life. Uh, oh my God, I don't have cancer anymore. I mean, these are all good, positive things. It might be scary while you're going through it, but it's scary for everybody to go through anything medical. That's natural. You're you're fighting for your life, and it's no fun to have somebody say, I'm going to do this for you. You have to let me. And then you agree to it, and then you let them. And that's how we do our own medical as well. Exactly. This is exactly the pattern I've noticed. It starts out really scary for people because we're so fear-based, and people are like, wow, what is happening to me? I but, they're waking up to it, and it's traumatic. And people will report PTSD and nightmares and a lot of fear with their early encounters. But once they get over that, wow, it's amazing. And some people don't. They just said, that's enough. I can't handle this. I don't like it. And that's where I think a lot of this negativity, this sort of fear-based thinking is still being perpetuated. But yeah. if you talk to researchers... It's not just me, Barbara Lamb. I love her research. She talks about the same thing. John Mack, Dolores Cannon. This is a good thing. And people are compartmentalizing and suppressing their memories and dealing with only the trauma and not getting to the good part. So I think that's something that's really important that people understand that the contact experience is actually benevolent. I don't get reports of sadism or torture or 
ETs trying to hurt people. Their agenda is to heal. And it becomes apparent once you stop looking at your experiences through the lens of fear. Right. Exactly. Human, um, human psychology is... I have somebody who really wants to talk to them. Anyway, so our, our experience in life is that we are habitual in our psychology. In other words, we habitualize everything. And that can be used against humanity in a weird kind of way. You're habitualized to complain. You're habitualized to fear. You're habitualized to seek uh, solace in something that's going to make you not have to deal with what you need to feel. Um, those are huge habits that uh, human beings don't know how to break because they don't have the knowledge to do so. Um, they, you're so compartmentalized, as Preston said, you're so in your head that you can't see out and around you that what you need to do is this. Let it go. Meditate. Find the calm, the peace, the balance. Give yourself that non-PTSD space to evolve in instead of allowing the PTSD to attack you all the time. Uh, don't believe the idiots to tell you that I'm going to have a bitch fest today. Why don't you go have a happy fest okay? instead? Why don't you go smell the flowers and enjoy the sunshine? Or find somebody who just wants to talk and be happy with you. Um, if you habitualize toward happiness, you walk away from the negativity. And that will help you understand what's actually going on. It'll help you assimilate um, how to experience that reality that that you'll open your eyes and you'll see what's really, really happening in front of you. Instead of wearing the glasses of, oh, you'll see the glasses of reality and what's happening. You know, um, if I if I have a bad attitude and I walk into a situation with that bad attitude, I guarantee you it's going to go badly. But if I have a good attitude, a positive attitude, and I stay calm and I focus on what I'm walking into, I will be way the heck better off and come out of it. It's like cathartic, a cathartic moment. You, you experience it as it should be done. You stay calmer. You'd be happier. You learn. That's the whole point, right? Is to learn. Yes. Yeah. And to relearn some of these abilities that we're taught that we don't have. That's yeah. been the whole thing behind Dolly's contact. She says over and over again to me, once you contact the ETs, it is learning, learning, learning <laughs> all the time you're with them. Uh, one thing that I think would be so cool if you could talk about if there's time would be uh, the time you were taken to observe a planet's evolution or it was towards the end of its evolution and it yeah. took you there to walk, actually watch this planet getting burned away by this star that was going nova i believe yeah the beginning process it was a red dwarf and it was expanding out you know once the fuel starts to go in a it, it, the what holds the gravity, what holds that, that star together starts to expand. And everything in the solar system of that star starts to become cannibalized by all that heat and energy and they burn up. And then the sun sort of, it gravitates back in toward the sun and it falls in upon itself and then it explodes in a nova. It can either become a, a neutron star, star, you know, or a quasar. Um, and you saw this planet, and they actually yeah. took you to see it. Yeah. I went to a system where the planet was being cannibalized, 
Um, I saw the planet the first time as as everything in the planet was uh, already um, expired. In other words, it was dead, dying. And I watched the trees desiccating and burning and the ground burning and the atmosphere totally being uh, filled up with gases. The gases were escaping from the planet itself. It had superheated. It was a giant magma ball. Um, the winds were incredible. I mean, it was just a giant furnace. And I got to see this process from pretty much, the, you know, through the whole part of that process. They would take us into a uh, line of sight for it and watch it. And they were taking calculations and they were trying to predict, you know, where the process was, what the planet was about to go through. They were watching the escape of the elements. They were checking out what this planet was truly made out of. They were doing all kinds of scientific inquiries into everything in the solar system. They knew everything about it as it was expiring. And then the last thing I got to see, and we weren't too close, we were close enough, but we weren't in it. Uh, further back where it actually imploded and then exploded and it, and became a, uh, this one became a quasar. And, uh, what you hear from that is, what you feel from it is unbelievable. And uh, it was just, it brought it home to me the reality of existence. It brought it home that, that we go through that too. We, we use up our fuel and our bodies expand somewhat. And then we implode on ourselves and then we leave. And all the energy that we are mutates and goes on and it becomes something else. And that's, that's was the most dramatic process of life I had ever witnessed, ever. Um, it, it, it was incredible to me. It made me understand that uh, it is so insignificant to worry about physical anything that it's all we're all already intelligent. We're all already old. We're all already in existence. Um, each life that you live is uh, waking up so that eventually you'll wake up one day and you'll see the whole totality of everything that you know. And that's a real big deal. And you would move forward from there even. And that was, I sat on the, <laughs> I sat down on the floor of the craft and just cried my eyes out because I, there's no words for that. There's no words. I mean, it is, it is energy in its most powerful mode. It is, it is everything. I mean, you know, people here who think it's fun to play with nuclear power. If they knew what they were doing to all existence when they played with it, na nature does it on its own. It doesn't need help from us. And it actually can ignite or cause something to go wrong somewhere else. You're putting energy out that isn't naturally occurring on its own. And uh, that brought that to me as well. That's why nuclear power is bad. You shouldn't mess with it because it rips through every space in your space. You know, there are dimensional spaces in with us. And if you let a bomb off, that nuclear device is literally cutting through every dimensional space all the way through in that area and it f's up everything it's a mess it, they feel it they know it they see it and it it operates against us people talk about mandela's here and things changing and things aren't quite right well this is one of the things that nuclear bomb exploding does it messes with our timeline it messes with our destiny it messes with our autonomy it messes with everything it's bad we shouldn't do it at all well wow. not, not at all 
Yeah, I've always wondered, you know, how our some of our actions and creations, especially nuclear weapons and nuclear power, affect, uh, you know, consciousness and beings that are in other dimensions. Um, heard this from other contactees. Exactly what Dolly said. Yeah. It's affecting areas we are not even aware of. Yeah, makes perfect sense too. Interesting. Another thing, Dolly, I would love for people to hear about because it's so cool. <laughs> I mean, I just giggled with delight when it, you told me about this because I had, you know, Betty and Barney Hill, that case, Betty was leaving the craft and they're like, do you want anything? We'll give you a gift. She says, I want that book. Can I take that book? And they said, okay. And they gave it to her. She's walking out of the craft and they said, wait a second. We were wrong. You can't actually take it. And Betty Andreasen, they gave her this blue book. And they said, well, you, we'll let you keep this at home, but we're going to have to take it back. Don't show it to anybody. It's only for you. And so I um, asked at one point, I'm like, Dolly, have you ever had anything like that? She's like, actually, yeah, I do have this book. She tried to take it home once. They couldn't let her. Can you talk about that, blue, the blue book? Yeah, I have a, it's, um, it's my... When I'm not in a classroom or I'm with another ET or Greg who are teaching me, I have my book. And instead of downloading like we had here, I, you know, remote out and I download back, I have this vehicle book of knowledge. And it is really cool. It's, it started out when I first got it, it was only about that thin. It's now about that wide. And it's a collection of things that I want to know, but it also shows me uh, what I've learned what I've actually attained and have knowledge of. And it's a, a guidebook for me of sorts. And uh, it, it encompasses uh, many things about existence and my existence in particular. It is, uh, it looks like sapphire. The covers are sapphire and it's energized. It's energetic. And when you touch it, you can feel the energy in it. It goes through your hands. Um, when you open it, pure light comes out of it and uh there's no pages, but when you open it, there are pages and, uh, you, 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 you don't read them. You feel them, you experience it, them. And it is, uh, anybody who picks up my book can learn from my book. They can see what I've done and they can ask questions of my book as well, but it's my book. And, uh, I tried to leave with it. I was going to be sneaky and take it back with me and it didn't work. <laughs> The minute I went out the door, it just went gone. <laughs> and I was like, damn, <laughs> what did I do? And uh, when I got back on board again, I went to look for my book and I couldn't find my book. And I was really upset. And I thought, oh, my God, what have I done? And that's when Talata said, you can have your book back when you understand that uh, you're not taking that book off this craft. I'm like, OK, um, when I go to a planet to go learn whatever, my book does go with me. I'm allowed to bring my book there just not here because it's too easy for somebody to misuse um, knowledge that you're not ready for. You know, it's too easy to not understand uh, things that um, make sense to me won't make sense to you. you if you're not emotionally uh, uh, mature enough to get it, you won't get it. Mm -hmm. um, and I can give you one example of that. It's real easy to understand this particular example. Um, I know right and 
right from wrong. I would not intentionally hurt another human being if my life depended on it. Um, uh, I am incapable of it now. It's not going to happen. You can kill me. I'll let you. I won't be happy about it, but I won't fight back. And um, there's a reason for that. I understand that all life is precious and that I have not the right to stop you from what you want to do. And if this is what you really want to do, it's still not up to me to stop you. You must stop yourself. And my job in that situation would be to try to teach you that as quickly as possible and to talk you through the process of not doing something about it, in which we both learn a huge lesson in that moment and we go on. That's what this book is. This book is capable of teaching those things. But if you're not ready, if you're still hell-bent on killing something or somebody, you could be given knowledge from this book that would make it a bad situation even worse. So that's why the book's not allowed to leave with me because it's full of all knowledge that I want. The whole universe is very chatty, and it directly connects to it. Your mind is on 24-7, 365 in our time zone, and if I want it, I got it. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Um, not everybody's ready for that. Not everybody's ready to understand the ramifications of what that book's capable of teaching. It sounds very um, similar it, to like, uh, like the Book of Zion, where like only you know, only like the person who's meant to be able to read it can even read it. Right. Yeah. It's not. It's not in. Uh, there are no. Exactly. You have to understand what it's saying, and you have to uh, you know be able to hear the intent. Have you ever been uh, walking through your life and you know you're thinking about something and you really have a strong desire to really understand it and then suddenly out of nowhere you do? It's as if all this knowledge that you want just suddenly lands in your lap and you go, oh my god, and the light bulb goes off and you're like, oh my god, I get it. Okay, that's what this book does. It gives it to you right then on the spot. If you want it that bad, it'll give it to you. Um, the fact that we can do that here now impresses the hell out of me because that's your ability. And it's my ability that gives that book the ability to teach me. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Okay. It's um, I somehow was taught just enough to be handed that book so that I can assimilate what it can teach me. But you hear everybody has a book. You just don't see it. It's not given to you yet. I once had a dream about that. I had a dream that I was looking through this book and the pages were all lit up and it was full on like Harry Potter book. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like pictures moving and I I always wondered about that was a very, very vivid dream. That's interesting because I've been doing some Akashic record type of experiments. And every time I do like that particular meditation, you know, you know, like you go into a library, you grab the book, you open the book, and every time I do it, all I see is light. And everything else is emotional sort of imagery or feelings and things like that rather than actual words. Right. Exactly. Um, that's what I mean. President, I'm talking as slow as I can force myself to talk to you right now because I have a tendency to want to give you all the information I want to give you right now. And I will rapid fire gun you down with it. Okay. I can't help it. That's how I communicate. Um, it's a byproduct to the fact that when I am with the T's, that's how we communicate psychically. It's all light communication and, uh, everybody hears everything I'm thinking all at one time. And so I have to use words here and I want to tell you at all. 
and uh, I've bitten his ear pretty bad. (laughs) Interviewing her sometimes, I'm like, wait, slow down. I had to transcribe this stuff, and it was amazing how many words she could fit into one minute. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, a, I'm not a speed yeah, cover. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But it's amazing. Um, I When I was a teenager, I did an experiment because I was trying to prove to myself, this is when I learned this lesson. And I was in class, and I was like, what can I come up with? What can I ask? Uh, what do I want to know? And I decided uh, I hadn't really learned about I had started learning, but I wasn't sure yet about how magnetism really works and under what conditions, you know, that you need and what elements there are that you can uh, employ with magnet magnetic fields and poles to uh, make it stronger or less strong. And um, so I was thinking really hard about that. I was like, I need an example of this. This is way back. They were developing the trains then, but it wasn't public knowledge yet. And um, I woke up one morning and I had this long, long, long excursion into the process of how this works and how to build the drain tracks, you know, and use freezing, uh, deep cold, you know, electrify it and all that. And uh, I went running to school to ask my teacher if I was insane or not. And I described it to him what I was thinking. And his jaw hit the ground because he just happened to be beginning to hear about it. And he was like, where did you hear that? And I said, I don't know. I just, you know, had a dream. And he's like freaking out because he said, you had to have been downloaded or something because that's new knowledge. that's just coming out. They're just figuring, figuring it out. Superconducting electromagnetic train tracks are super cool. It's below freezing on those tracks. And it, it amplifies the ability of the magnets to hold that heavy damn train up off the track so they can glide. Okay. <laughs> I got it. You know? It's amazing that you knew that. Yeah. Well, I'm bringing it up for a reason. There's been people in history that have had the ability to gain this knowledge this way. Tesla. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up Tesla. Tesla did. Um, look what our government did to him. I think they killed him. <laughs> they made him miserable till he died. Correct. Um and then they took all his work from him yeah. and hid it from everybody. Okay. Still hiding it. Yeah, they don't want anybody right. to have that free energy. Right. And all that wireless so, stuff that they can right. just use the but earth for. What I'm saying is is that everybody has the ability to do what Tesla did. All of us. Yeah. What would happen if we all woke up one day and we went, Hey, you guys you're you are caught. No more. Uh-uh. We're not buying any of your damn products because we know what's capable. You know? How, how F you, I'm going to go build it myself. Have a nice day. Mm-hmm. I mean... It's beginning to happen. More and more people are pulling off grid. Psychic abilities are waking up in a lot of people. Very cool. Absolutely. Um, so... I got to wrap this up because I have a, another podcast scheduled. I want to thank both of you so much for coming on. And Dolly, it was, this was amazing. Uh, we have to do this again because I think uh, I think we only hit the surface of your knowledge and your experience. <laughs> I have a feeling there's a whole lot more there. 
and uh, th- this was great. And um, I'm excited to read the book um, that Preston is writing about your experience. Um, it's kind of cool to have you guys both on before the book is actually out, and my listeners will be this will be like their everybody's sort of first taste of this. It's going to be really awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome. It's an honor to talk to you. I, I'm uh, very happy to be able to just put it out there. You know, this is this is ET's message to everybody is what I'm trying to, you know, send out, and uh, it's very important. It's very important for all of us, all over. <laughs> I love your background too, Dolly. Very pretty. <laughs> oh, that was that was my my sister-in-law made this. She she found the 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 it's wallpaper. And she put it on frames and put it back up. Isn't that cool? It is cool. I like it. <laughs> it's Florida. <laughs> awesome. So before I wrap it up, um, well, Dolly, do you have a website or any place where people can contact you or an email address or something? Or? No. Um, I am, uh, before I came out with everything, uh, my contact Talata had a come to Jesus meeting with me and I was, pre-briefed on what to expect when I start talking. And it, we decided that um, that I would wait just a little while before I give anybody access uh, to me on a daily basis because I'm still actively a contactee, okay? Mm-hmm. And I can't make promises I can't keep. And if I put something out there that you expect me to answer, that, that hurts you and me both. Right. So I'm trying to figure out, come up with a plan to be able to do that I'm just not there yet, and I'm hoping by the time in the next couple of months, you know, how to do that. I want a, I want a portal of sorts, one that the government isn't going to access on a daily basis because I am watched and monitored heavily, and uh, so we're working on that. But when I do, I'll let you know. In the meantime, though, uh, Preston is available. <laughs> he knows how to get in contact with me. And he does tell me things when things hit him that he, you know, he, he says, you know, you should check this out. You should talk to this person. I'm like, okay, fine. So I do, you know, so we're doing that. And it's a protective measure. Also, I have to be very careful uh, where I go. My locations, I move around a lot for that reason. And um, like I said, I'm heavily, heavily, heavily monitored by the government. Very monitored. It's like a Kentucky standoff. I've had a couple of close calls with it, and yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> I know. I've, I've been there a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so, Preston, where pe- people find you? Yeah, I have a website. Just punch in my name. It'll take you there. Um, my book's on Amazon. I'm on Facebook, Twitter. And, uh, yeah, you can definitely reach out to me. And I do refer contactees to Dolly, um, occasionally who are looking for some counseling or someone to talk to who's had experiences, you know, along these lines. Because while I have had some contact, it's nowhere near the level, consciously I should say, that Dolly has. I'm waking up to stuff thanks to, in part to Dolly, <laughs> uh, certainly. So, yeah, absolutely. This is an important subject. I'm really happy Dolly's stepping forward bravely. I know there's a lot of other people out there like her. Mm-hmm. Uh, most, most, very much so. They have to keep secret because they can't do their job really. Uh, right. But there's also more coming public. forward too. Because I've, you know, 
I've spoken to quite yeah. a few now, and I know I'm excited about that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Actually, I keep looking. <laughs> so yeah. All right. Well, I will put the link to your website, Preston, in the notes to this episode. And uh, it was a pleasure having you both on. And thank you very much. Welcome. We'll do this again sometimes. Okay. All right. Hang on one second. <laughs> and I just have to play the outro. Enlightenment guaranteed. It's the only book on the